Which way do you, Lord? Which way do you? Which way do you, Lord? Which way do you? Which way do you, Lord? Which way do you? Good morning. I am Father Nicholas Amato, the staff pastor here at Nativity. And we have three people, three groups to welcome today. Those online watching us as part of our faith family. Those here at the Ridgely Roads campus. And this gentleman who is Jack Jessica. He is a kind of a long distance parishioner. And uh, he's really long distance the last year. He's been around the world on a mission trip. And Jack, could you just tell us where you've been? Yeah, so the past year I've been traveling with a mission trip called the World Race, and we went to nine different countries, and the whole mission was just bringing the kingdom of God and the love of Jesus to a lost and hurting world. We went to Guatemala, Nicaragua, Honduras, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, and then we went over to Eastern Europe. We went to Albania and Romania, and then we went to Africa in Lesotho, South Africa, and Eswatini, also known as Swaziland, so. Man, it's very impressive. Actually, he's gonna do a little presentation of 20 minutes for those of you who are interested over in the pavilion. And I found, having been to the last one, it's really moving how a young man is transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's quite a testimony. So we'd encourage you to attend. No pressure, but I would say he's the pastor's nephew. So welcome, Jack, and good luck Thank to you. Thank you. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <clears throat> Last week, Daniel uh, completed three weeks on the topic of our summer series, Life, A Series of Choices. Beginning this weekend, I'll do the next three weekends uh, on the same theme, but from different uh, vices. Anger today, next week greed and envy, and then the final week pride. And then Tom Corcoran will conclude the summer, take us right up to Labor Day with a five weekend series himself. So we're trying to be a little bit lighter, a little breezier format, and perhaps deadly sins may not sound light and breezy, but for most of us our faults and our imperfections or sins are not deadly. So I like to think of it as a continuum from light anger, moderate anger, heavy anger, and maybe even deadly anger. Anger that gets you in such a rut that you can't get out of it, and the future is very dark. And so wherever we are on that continuum, we are someplace on that continuum. If you are at that end, we're gonna offer you very concrete, practical ways to move down the continuum to be able to manage and control your anger. And if you happen to find yourself at that end, just know that there's no judgment on our part, that nativity is there with a sense of love and compassion and a harbinger of God's mercy. So wherever you are, there's something to be learned. By talking about a continuum, um, our goal is really to place ourselves on it and then to see how to, how to manage it, how to control it, and how to uh, foster the opposite virtue, the virtue of patience, and we'll be dealing with both of those things. Let's talk a little bit about anger. 
Of all the emotions, anger is the most common and the most powerful. It assumes various forms designated by words like fury, wrath, ire, rage, resentment, vengeance, and indignation. And hardly a day goes by that we don't sense some sort of, or some level of anger. The news reportedly tells us in a regular way acts of violence that are unleashed because of anger, festering anger, a hidden desire for revenge on society or groups of people or different gatherings. That's the characteristic of our age. Did you know that of the seven deadly sins, anger is the most pervasive in the population? Anger is the most injurious to myself and to others. Anger is most responsible for your and my unhappiness or psychopathological behavior. It is said that therapists spend more time helping clients deal with anger than any other emotion. Well, a personal experience regarding anger at myself that you might be able to relate to. You'll be the judge of that. In mid-June, I was preparing this talk for this week. I had the whole thing completed, 2,400 words, 20 minutes, perfect. I turned then to deleting some files to clean up my cloud, the cloud account. And let me repeat, in doing so, I deleted permanently all my clouds on the iCloud. Oh. Yeah, right, they were my files, not yours. But anyway, I was really angry at myself. I was feeling rage. I was feeling, I let down by God. I was feeling fear that, what was I gonna say? I had it all done. The rage and the anger, I realized, was all directed at me. I was the cause of it. I was both the offender and the offended. As clear as day, I remember different levels of thought. How could I do this? How stupid. Permanent deletion? What are you, nuts? What was I thinking? And then with all the spiritual strength I could muster at the time, and it wasn't much, I made a decision, I have to let this go. At least I'm still alive. And I just started to sit and breathe deeply for 10 minutes, quietly breathing in and out. And finally, I was able to calm myself down and place it in God's hands. And from memory, I began bulleting all the points I could remember. Well, from my inner explosion of anger, let's take a deeper look at anger. Anger is aroused when a person suffers a real or perceived injury, a loss, or some kind of upset. So for example, I say something about your lack of commitment to a project we're working on, and you get angry, and you retaliate. Nicholas, you should talk, and then you cite chapter and verse of everything I've done wrong. Usually the angered person, you or I, directs their action towards punishing the real or perceived offender. In our hearts, we say, I'll show them. And then we start to think and ruminate and act out of that anger. We can see that the feelings of anger are an intermingling of both pain and pleasure, believe it or not. Pain at the injury and pleasure at the expectation of vengeance 
and the overt expression of my anger toward you. So anger is thus not only a strong and complex emotion, but it includes thoughts, action, and a plan of action. What we're going to do in my talk today, hopefully, is to cultivate strategies to control it, to get you off the hot end of the continuum down to the middle or down to the end, where it's very light, intermittent anger. Catholic moral theology, while including anger as one of the seven deadly sins, maintains that it's not always sinful. It may be what we call righteous anger. It's aroused against an evil that's out there or for the sake of justice. A good example of this is Jesus's righteous anger from him to us to make a point of how we treat one another. It has to do with showing each other mercy. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew's 18th chapter. Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. Let's listen in on Jesus' story. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts. As he began the settlement, the man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Well, it looks like the king has some righteous anger over rightfully being owed 10,000 bags of gold. But that's, the only, that's Jesus' only setting the context for a story. Remember, he's focusing on mercy the mercy we need to show one another. Let me just say what I'd do if I couldn't pay back that amount and I was headed to prison as a result. I'd do what the servant does. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Well, the master goes above and beyond the request notice. The guy wants time. The master cancels the debt. Talk about mercy. The moral of the story is clear. But wait, there seems to be more to Jesus' point about mercy. Keep your ears open as we rejoin the story. But when that servant went out, found one of his servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke him pretty aggressively. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Yeah, whoa, another servant, same issue. Notice the same words for both. Fell on his knees and begged him. I'd have to admit that it would take a lot for me to fall to my knees to beg you for something I need. And now comes the surprise. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged 
and went and told their master everything that had happened. The response of the unmerciful servant sends a shiver up my spine. He refused, and he has the man thrown into prison. How's that guy going to pay back the debt? He's in prison. Luckily, the other servants have some righteous anger over this injustice. So they tell the master about it, and now there is virtually heck, heck to pay. I didn't say it. Let's get back to the story. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he's pretty angry. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay the debt he owed. Is this guy who, is this a guy who can't put two and two together? I mean, you're forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. You can't forgive a guy for a few silver coins. Man, do the math. Yet that's precisely the point Jesus is making. And now for Jesus' judgment from his righteous anger, and he's looking right at us. Nicholas, Bill, Mary, Joe, Barbara, Andy, looking at us. And this is what he's telling us. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you and the condition unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. From your heart. What more needs to be said of Jesus' using righteous anger to show us the importance of mercy? Well, from Jesus' righteous anger, I'd like to turn to our own unrighteous anger and how to get us down on the scale by controlling it and cultivating its virtue, its opposite virtue. Here's how I remember these two tools. So the tool is, this is the homework, by the way, control and cultivate. So you're going to control anger by reframing, by having a different mental process going on, reframing. That reframing itself will quell, calm, cool the anger. The other is to cultivate, to cultivate the virtue of patience. So this is the vice, anger. This is the virtue, patience. Cultivate patience. The two ways we're going to look at are by prayer and how it effectively can do that and phrases of Jesus. Let's look at controlling first. And let's say that it's me making you angry. It's what I said or something I didn't do. In such situations, the following would be ways of controlling your anger. First situation, if you believe that my injury to you was done out of ignorance, Nicholas didn't know, or emotion, Nicholas is Italian, he gets very emotional, you can reframe your anger by saying, it's not that serious. I mean, I know Nicholas, I know his intentions. He didn't know, he was upset. The situation might elicit from you understanding, or even mercy, or forgiveness. So the first is, the first situation is, emotions are high, and you can just say, so-and-so was upset beside himself, and I can let it go. The second situation, if I've injured you deliberately, I'd seem to be guilty of contempt, and this is why your anger may be so intense. 
to control by reframing it in this second situation, you might try to share your feelings with me in an honest and caring way. So here you're saying, Nicholas, our relationship is important. I just want you to know I was upset and I just need help in understanding what you meant. So sharing your feelings and your desire to move forward in the relationship. Very effective way. And there's a third situation. Your anger may be because your injury uh, was only perceived. Uh, you, you know, it wasn't real. You just thought it looked like that. You might have been, you might have been too sensitive or you misjudged what I said or I touched a nerve that I didn't know I was touching. Something of an old wound in you. You'd reframe, control your anger in this way, the third situation. Hurt was perceived, that's the critical word, perceived to be so, or I may have been too sensitive, or it opened up an old wound, it had nothing to do with what Nicholas said. So all very important situations. In summary, it looks like this. Motions are high, second situation, you want to move forward in a relationship, and the third, the hurt was perceived. Now, the ways to deal with this, and I, I have a couple ways. Uh, these are the ones I use. <clears throat> to pray in silence. So that's cultivating. The first is controlling, the second is cultivating. You cultivate the, uh, the virtue of patience by prayer, praying in silence or selecting one of Jesus' I am phrases. Now, to pray in silence means to just take some time and just breathe deeply five or six times until your body's relaxed, quieting your mind. And then that space opens up a place where you can hear another voice. That space, you're not entangled and snared by the anger because you've relaxed yourself. So I'm committed to doing this a half hour every morning and a half hour in the evening. Not always faithful to that but it's always at least 15 minutes. So that kind of space is really important to pray, to pray powerfully. The second one is the I am phrases. These are the phrases of Jesus uh, that are in the gospel. And um, they're ways that he identifies who he is and you can relate who he is to your anger. And just to go through them quickly, where he says, I'm the bread of life. Well, when you need to, when you're hungry for healing, from anger. This may be a good phrase for you to take to your prayer. Or I'm the light of the world. When you're plunged into darkness, you're so angry, you know, at that edge of the end of the continuum that you need something to move you this way. Well, the way you do it is Jesus is going to be the light in that darkness. A third would be I'm the door. Well, sometimes you feel there's no exit or there's no uh, choices from your anger. Let Jesus be the door. Use that for your prayer anytime. I'm the good shepherd. Well, when you feel lost and you know how lost you are, you can't get over what she did or what he did, well, you're lost in your anger. The good shepherd may find you and bring you back. And finally, I'm the resurrection and the life. For me, the life is the important thing because it relates to anger. When you feel your anger has left you tired, bored, or feeling dead. 
And finally, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When your anger has risen, has arisen from deception, somebody's lied to me, somebody's been unfaithful to me, it's important to have those at your ready. Speaking about having them at your ready, we've created a little card that you can pick up. Some people are taking two or three or four because they want to give them to friends. <laughs> uh, it's a great idea. But what you've got on the back are all those seven phrases of Jesus, the I am statements and what he's going to be for you if you give him the opportunity. And so that's the good news. I have said, put them by your uh, bedstand. Somebody last night said, why don't you put them on a dashboard of your car? Yay, that's a great idea. So you can pick up those cards uh, as you leave church today. For those of you online, uh, just go to churchnativity.com slash resources and there's a printable format for your own card. I'd like to leave you with a simple question. Is there someone who's angered you and with whom you haven't been able to get over your anger? Don't call out that name. Now, you have some tools now to do something about it. Effectively, the tool of controlling anger and the tool of cultivating patience through prayer and I am statements. Surely, they can move you from there right down or there. Let us pray. God, our Father, you create us out of love to be servants of your son, Jesus. You give us a mind and a heart that helps us reframe our thinking, quell our anger. We ask you to be there with your Holy Spirit, to be our guide, to be a healing, compassionate presence to others. And we even call to mind and hold on our heart that one person, it's so difficult to forgive. Lift us up, help us be disciples, and make disciples of others. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord, Amen.